Okay, so I am in a sweet humbling phase right now where it's a good thing for me. Having my lemon water. I was just talking about this with my kids the other day. How funny it would be. Like, because we're kind of like a no sugar kind of a family typically. But we talk about every once in a while how that goes is like, we do no sugar, no sugar, no sugar. But then every once in a while it's like, and we're done having no sugar. We're just going to have it like, you know, once in a while kind of thing, right? Anyways, then it turned into this funny conversation about, well, what if, what if like, what if there was this thing called like the candy vaccine and you had to take it every once in a while because you need to like be able to be inoculated for like what, um, you know, what is to come or whatever. So you have a good reminder of what it's like to, to be sick from it and all of this kind of conversation. It was just the funniest little conversation ever. Anyways, we, then we trailed into like how funny it would be. What would that candy vaccine look like? And then we trailed it into what would our daily routine be like? Oh, candy for breakfast, candy for lunch, candy for dinner, candy for snacks, candy in your noodles, candy in your porridge, candy in your stuffing, and can- <laughs> you know, and it would just be like this ongoing thing until you get sick or something like that, right? Anyways, it was this funny conversation. But what I was actually starting this podcast about was just my hum, like trying to find my humble, um, grateful heart. Because usually I'm just like humbled and feeling kind of frustrated and mad about whatever I just got humbled about, right? But this is probably one of the most healthiest being humbled moments that I've had. Maybe because I've been working a lot with clearing my different energy centers in the body to just help me be able to grapple with life even better, um, allowing more grace and space for myself to fumble through different things. But being like accepting and thoughtful in my approach with just being understanding and compassionate towards myself, right? So I've been practicing a lot in that and maybe it's showing up now as I'm like kind of slightly in a similar pattern of frustration with myself, but also in a, in like a balanced kind of a way, right? So like, you know, like as a recovering food addict person, it becomes pretty easy to get super distraught with myself, for example, um, when I choose to do things that are out of alignment with my structured idea of what what it looks like to be under control in certain areas, you know, because it is natural for me to just eat whatever I want. It is natural for me. Like it shows up in so many different areas, whether it's money or food or all those things. So like earlier on in my life, I had to learn to really pull it in and rein it in. But it's like I work in extremes because I'm so loosey-goosey naturally. It's like I have to somehow, I think I have to somehow pull it in to such a rigid kind of course of action so that I can feel some level of confidence in moving forward in a way that is not natural to me. I don't know how I came into this dialogue, but for some reason it made sense to me at the time as I was kind of structuring my life. Um, and my perspective and how I would function as an adult or whatever, right? I don't know that it like works really great because it sure causes a lot of room for 
um, I don't know, kind of like doubting myself or feeling a little bit shameful or, you know, all those like wandering feelings that are just kind of always lingering because it's like I can never be totally perfect with the budget, nor can I ever be totally like perfect with the diet either, right? So it's thankful. Thankfully, I have people in my life that are close to me that give me an example of what does it look like to strive in a way that gives leeway to be human as well, right? So that it's not just this constant dogmatic dialogue that I have with myself, but it can just be like a, a more of a lighthearted one, you know, as we approach towards that direction, right? You know, I just loved one time when one of the um, leaders in my community, in my religious community, said something like, hey, um, a lot of people are, you know, talk a, a lot about, you know, hey, this person falls asleep during this talk and, you know, like they, they fall asleep in church all the time. Like, what are your thoughts about that? And he said the sweetest thing. He's like, well, it's my, he basically said, it's not word for word. He's like, well, it's my opinion that church sleep is probably the best kind of sleep you could have. <laughs> you know, when he said it like that, it just like blew me out of the water. I was like, I can't believe you just said that respect 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 like i just thought that was the best thing anyone could ever say about that topic because like really people are just sometimes people get so mean and funny about trying to blame this or that or like just point fingers and it's just so sweet when someone says something so sweet and gentle like that just like a gentle reminder to like help people to remember to stop judging and just like embrace one another as they are and move on, you know, like don't make things into a bigger deal than they actually are. And let's just keep going, right? Like we have, this is not the hill to die on kind of thing, right? We can, we can do church sleep. This is going to be fine. right? And so anyways, I just felt so glad because of that. And on that topic, so I was, okay. So I have this, like, I am such a person of like, ah, like I have so many different ideas. So one, when I first joined the church, like, I don't know, 17 years ago, something like that, one of my favorite aspects of being a member of this church community, that kind of thing, is that they had this thing called General Conference. And seriously, when I heard about this thing, like, okay, so first time I ever heard about it before I was even, like, had chosen to become a member, be baptized, that kind of thing, it was always this thing that would come on TV and it would just be this thing that I would watch my sister do. And I'd always wonder, I'd be like, what is this thing? It all I know is it looks pretty boring to me, right? Like, that's all I thought about it, right? It was just speaker after speaker after speaker saying whatever they were saying. And then every once in a while, she'd be so excited about different things. And she'd say, oh, you got to hear this. Right? And I'd always be so curious. I'm like, this is so peculiar. Like, why would anyone spend any time watching something that is just so excruciatingly boring, right? Like, that's all I could see because I was like 15, 14. 13 at the time probably and so I was like whatever whatever's your jam go for it doesn't matter like there could be worse things that a person could be doing right so I was like sweet like you go do your thing whatever it is and but then over time it became this thing where I was like hey wait a minute you know especially around the time that I was starting to learn more and and asking questions with a sincere heart of wondering well what what are the answers to some of my life questions, right? And then as I started going with like a heart sincere, with a heart that was willing and ready to learn, those were some of the most best conferences that I ever went to. 
and it, it it doesn't like it's not like very coincidental that some of my favorite speakers were the same speakers that were called the year that I was baptized, right? Like that same year that I was baptized, were they were called during that year, and and they are have just been. I just feel so twinsy with them in in our journeys together as they've you know come into the apostleship and I've been able to be a member of this church for the same amount of time and and just feeling so like connected with their speeches and their speak and everything right and that was just kind of the beginning phases right you know I I would you know kind of cherry pick some of my favorite talks I would basically just choose one favorite talk every conference for a while and that would just be my study. I really didn't find a lot of time to study much more than just like one talk for every six months, especially because I was doing a lot. I was learning another language. I was doing seminary. I was doing all the sports and I was just like full, right? And then plus like social life stuff and like trying to deal with stress from emotional stuff and just everything. I was just trying to do life. And so like really one talk for six months was like my max, right? It felt like that. Anyways, so so then I kind of had my favorite talks, and I but I never really knew about this whole concept of kind of like reviewing it and just like, you know, I'd write notes in the moment because I would always have this friend that I would sit by during conference and see how she took notes and how her whole family did. And I was like, oh, well, that's kind of nice. Like, that's a smart idea. So I started doing that. And it just became this thing for me where it, it became really clear that I love this. You know, so more and more as I got older, year by year, conference after conference, I just really got into it. I just got so into it, you know, to the point where, you know, I would make sure that I write like speakers and what hymns were sung and like, you know, what they said and then like try to create it into like some kind of note diagram that said something like, hey, um, this speaker said this and these were my personal thoughts on that and this is personal revelation that i have and these are people that i'm thinking of right now that i want to share this talk with or these are people that i'm thinking of that i know i need to minister to because of this talk and you know all of these kinds of questions would come up right and then after a little while it became this thing where oh hey i'm starting to date my future husband and there we go we're watching conference together and you know paying attention to these talks and you know and you know, over time, it became a little bit more lax. Um, but then after a little bit, I don't know, maybe in the last few years, I just really amped it up again. And I'm like, no, I just can't, you know, because I got to the point where I would listen to conference in the background and then like try to do other stuff. Because I was like, well, there's some people in the world that do that and they legitimately can learn a lot when their hands are busy. But, you know, I think I can do that to a point. But for myself, I actually need to sit down, pen and paper and just pay attention. <laughs> That's like my best case scenario to get the most out of seeing the speaker, seeing their lips move, listening to their story, watching some of the like images they share and just like being present, right? And not getting distracted because like I'm going to have my whole, the rest of the six months to kind of be distracted and, you know, just briefly review some of the things that they say and that kind of thing, right? But like now's the time to be in the conference and really just pay attention so that I can just be in this flow of like hey um that was awesome right and be totally present with why it was awesome and not being like distracted by the next thing that I was supposed to be doing in that second or feel like I'm supposed to be doing that when really I'm just supposed to be like listening to this talk right so anyway I've been really delving more deeply in that um and 
And just like, just paying attention to, I think I've also heightened my awareness of wanting to pay attention because like, I legitimately actually feel like I'm in times of turmoil, right? Like not in my personal, personal life, but in the world. Like I feel like I am living in a world that is very unsettled, right? There's been pandemics going on. There's been so many different like natural disasters. There's just a lot of commotion going on. And I just have so much compassion for these people that suffer all around the world. And like, I just constantly wonder, I'm like, what can I do? I live in a situation that is absolutely, it's covered, right? We got our food, we got our clothing. We have a community that's loving and supportive. Like we're covered. Like how could we be even more attentive to people in the world, whether in different countries or whether, you know, just even in my own little world, right? That I can be even more mindful of and wanting to connect with and just being even more open to the potential of being friends with, right? And actually friends with. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. I'm super grateful that I can have some level of awareness to move forward with. And then I haven't even started talking about some of the other topics about General Conference that I really actually just wanted to talk about, right? So I have this one grand scheme idea to gather together all the youth, you know, kind of like youth age, right? Like, like youth close to seminary age, basically like almost going into their seminary year and then to like 18, for example, right? And, and like just targeting in wanting to serve these people, but also wanting to serve the people in the like the 18 to 25 gap range of people um, to have them be kind of like the big brother, big sisters of this youth group style um, kind of club thing. Like it's going to be like conference club, like it's going to be like fireside conference club kind of thing. I don't want to use the word fireside because that's kind of been coined already. But you know what I mean? It's, it'll be like we gather together. It'll be kind of like my book study club, right? Where for the moms, we choose a book every month, we gather and we talk and we just talk into the night and it's just a beautiful experience, right? Typically, it's not into the night. You know, at max, it'll be 30 hours, but really it'll be like an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And, but it's just so deeply nourishing. It's like, it's so nice to be united with people that you feel comfortable with and that you can just share your honest feelings about some deep stuff and some like really meaningful things and just like honing in on this beautiful connection space that we can have. So I've been wanting to build this. Um, and then also on the side, <laughs> this morning I was just so gung-ho. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to study general conference before I do anything else because I've just been feeling like I've been lacking a little bit in that area, especially, you know, like the, the other day I didn't really wake up early enough to be able to then create a space for me to be like, hey, I'm going to share these things that I love about the scriptures and stuff and, and feel like I can't afford not to kind of thing. So I was like, I just don't want to f follow in that kind of path. I want to be able to wake up early enough so I can just ponder on my spiritual impressions and thoughts about whatever I'm studying so that once it comes to like mommy scripture time, <coughs> devotional style, it can be a no brainer. It's like, oh no, I can't afford to not share this. And this is going to be the time that we're doing this because we can't afford to miss it because it was given to us as a gift for a reason. And so here we are, we can like embrace the gift. We can turn on our lights to just be able to see those blessings. So that was awesome. Um, but also in that whole journey of like doing the 
conference study thing. It was just funny because it was like, I felt like to, to study in English, but then the other part of me was like, well, what if, right? So then I just kind of went into, I was like, well, because sometimes I find if it's something that's just so normal and regular and always the same constantly, if I switch the language, it really gives me that added like edge of paying attention because it's like, oh, I can't afford to not pay attention to every single word because if I don't pay attention to every single word, then I'm going to lose track of what's actually being said and I'm going to start daydreaming instead of just actually being alert and paying attention. So sometimes I'll switch it up. So I started with Cantonese. <laughs> In some ways, that was kind of a mistake, but it wasn't, right? It, was, I, it felt like a mistake at first because it's been a long time since I've switched any language to Cantonese because it's just, it, there's a lot of baggage back in that, right? Like, and, but I'm trying to work through it. I'm trying to let go of the baggage and embrace the, the now and the future in using that language, right? And so that was good. Um, but then I was like, okay, well, that was hard. <laughs> I only went through like a couple paragraphs and then I paused. Once I realized one of the words, I was like, oh, muktik. Muktik means like purpose. I was like, oh, that's this part of the talk. Okay, we're good, right? I, I, can, I can be finished there, right? But then I was like, well, I don't want to end there. So then I was like, okay, well, let's go to Spanish because that's like the next level. Like the hardest for me right now is probably Cantonese that, like, that I can legitimately do and like somehow follow along too. So the hardest for me to learn right now is Cantonese. Then this, the next hardest is probably Spanish because I've already had some experience with it, but not a lot. And then the easiest for me to learn right now is French because I spent like six immersion, immersion years and I have a bilingual certificate in French. So it's like, it becomes a wave quicker for me to pick it up again. And so anyways, I started with the Cantonese, that was hard. Then I went to Spanish and I was like, okay, not as hard, but still hard, but it's so beautiful that you just cannot resist it, right? I always said when I was doing my French um, bilingual certificate, I was like, you know, I kind of wish I went through Spanish immersion because I actually love and adore the language so much more than I do French, right? Like it's just such a beautiful, like fun language and everything to do. And, and, and it's not just language, it's kind of the culture and the perspective and just like the the way of life and being it's just, there's just so much involved in this beautiful spanish culture anyways so i went through the spanish i was like okay great we got this we went i went to the same place once we got to purpose i was like sweet checking out what's next and i was like okay well let's try french right so then i go to french and i just felt so proud of myself by that point i was like oh like these other ones were hard but it was like helpful to gain appreciation for French and English which are languages that I'm way more fluent in than the Spanish and the Cantonese right so then I was like okay sweet you know I can do this right and and it was just like a lovely process for me to somehow have some level of grit and desire to want to expand myself and expand my comfort zone to be like let's just go and choose this talk and probably a part of it it's like the, the, you know, the language that I first chose, like I don't need, I'm not even familiar with their, what if, even if they have an alphabet, right? For the Chinese characters or whatever. So it's a really big struggle for me to even check in with the characters and see which talk I'm on. Like for the longest time when I was even looking for a talk, I was on the wrong year and the wrong month, <laughs> you know? As I was trying to find the talk for this most recent conference that just happened a couple weeks ago. And so I was on the wrong month, the wrong year of conference, and I was like, what's going on? Like I can't find the talk that I'm looking for until I realized, wait a minute, 
this says something else, right? Like this is from last year because <laughs> I listened to one of the talks and it's like da, 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 this and this. I was like, hey, I remember that, but that wasn't this conference. <laughs> Anyways, so that was good. I was grateful to do it. I've been doing a lot with like, as I said, the energy balancing kind of stuff that I really feel like helps build my confidence to re reintroduce languages again. Because I think for a time there, I just kind of lay it as, as aside. Um, maybe partially because I was getting a little lazy in feeling like I could just submit to, you know, some of the, the dialogue that people have in the dyslexic world. They're like, hey, people that are dyslexic are incapable of learning another language. And I kind of really want to take my, you know, whatever test that I need to take to like prove that, you know, not necessarily, even if I don't actually show up as dyslexic, right? Like I'm sure that, you know, some kind of gene in my gene pool made it so that I have children that are kind of in that pool, right? So even if I don't show up as dyslexic, sometimes I just want to even try to be like, hey, let's take the test, see if I am dyslexic. And then let's do this like case study experience where it's like, why in the world was I able to ever learn any languages? You know, does drive do anything to be able to drive or survival or like determination or anything? Can that shift a person's capacity so that they can actually do that? rather than saying cross the board, oh, they can't, right? Um, I don't know if sometimes people just say things like that, like, oh, you can't do this, um, just to give them that space to process that and then decide for themselves, no, actually I can, right? Because like, because what would be the opposite if they just tried pushing and pushing and pushing and saying, well, you can do this, you can do this, rather than saying, hey, this is probably, if you want to be able to do this, it'll probably be one of the hardest things you ever do, right? So if you really want to just think about all your energy orbs, basically, like it might, you might want to reconsider if, if you want to put so much of your energy orbs into this thing that you're not naturally good at anyways. So if you're going to be doing that, just be aware that it's going to take all of you, right? It's going to take you out, right? <laughs> to, to, to figure out how to do this thing. So you know, you can try, um, but it's not like the, the prediction for you to be successful at it is still so low that for most people, we just say you can't do it because it's not worth a lot of people's time to break themselves in trying to do something that they're in that typically in predictions people can't do. Right. You know, like and I feel like I'm kind of one of those people, though. You know, like I watch all these wonderful stories about people with disabilities and people that get amputated and people that just like they have these life experiences that just block them from being able to progress in some of the fun experiences they wanted to have or all of these other things. But they defy the status quo of what everybody says they'll be able to do. You know, they, they defy it. They're just like, well, whatever. Like, I'm going to go build myself a leg or I'm going to go and like practice and learn how to walk and do cartwheels anyways and flips and and do my life regardless of what other people say that I can or can't do and that's kind of me it's like I just believe in in eternity like I believe in my capacity to become like my heavenly parents I believe in my capacity I believe in them and their ability that they have exercised to become a person that could be a heavenly parent, right? And that's my, that's my destiny too. And so if I will eventually get to a point where I could be a heavenly parent, like what am I doing trying to kind of get 
too bogged down by saying, oh, I can and can't do this. Or I, I will be able to do this, but I won't be able to do that. And, you know, I, ta- I toot a lot about like different personality tests that I've taken that have just helped me to feel like a sense of acceptance in those areas that I, I am naturally weak in and I, I admit to it. Um, and at the same time, I'm kind of, I've kind of jumped back into kind of this like empowering place though, as I grapple with all of my results in different areas, you know, like, you know, in one test they say, Hey, you're super bubbly and you're like this. You'll probably like, you know, you'll probably notice that you have like messy parts of your life or all of this kind of stuff. Right. And, and it's probably not going to be great for you to have any amount of stuff that's more than you could clean up in five minutes, for example. Right. And, but it's like, I have to break that paradigm. It's like, if I only lived with that kind of mentality, then I would never live with other people because I would always feel like bogged down by, you know, that kind of life, because then I would have more than five minutes of stuff to clean up after. Right. Cause I'm like, you know, with all these other people that I live with and we work together in doing this thing. And, and then also just like coming into this space where, you know, as I grapple with another test that says, Hey, so according to this test, it says that your, you know, your strength is being able to start things right and make it happen. Um, and that's like pretty accurate, but then they, they talk about like finance style, right? With my personality and they say, Hey, you're, you know, you might want to just like spend all over the place and da, 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 da but maybe like rein it in or da da da. I think they said something like that. And it was funny because like I've had enough life experience to know very deeply of the repercussions of financial, like loosey goosey casualness. And so because of that, it's like, I've been kind of not like scarred, but kind of like it's been singed a little bit. This feeling of like, no, like you can't mess around with money like ever, right? Like you just can't like anytime you're, you know, going off budget, whatever, it's messing with the money, right? Like when we could just make it very much just what it is like for, right? And so it's like, it's so fascinating to just see how I'm learning, learning about myself, learning what I agree with, what do I disagree with and what, how I do, how do I want to just like make my life worthwhile? I love this one question that was asked in my last marriage class session type of thing. It was basically like mission and legacy. It's like, if you were to open up your, like the newspaper the day after you died and read your obituary, what would it say, you know, as your eulogy or whatever, right? What would it say there? And what would you want it to say kind of thing? And that was like lovely for me, right? It was just so lovely. Like my husband said one thing and then I was just feeling like, oh, well, I, I don't know. Like it, I love this talk that was from this last conference from Elder Uchtdorf. And it, it just taught, it said it bang on. It just, everything he said was actually like, I was like, if I was going to choose one talk <laughs> to study for the next six months, this would be it. Because seriously, like, and I always choose his talk pretty well because every talk he gives is like, just for me. I just feel it every time. Anyways, but he talks about this. He's like, if you want a good week, have a good day. And if you want a good day, have a good hour, you know, and, and build it from there. Right. So then I'm always pondering about this thing. Like, okay. Well, if I need to do something towards the end of my year or the end of my life or whatever, like, what am I doing right now in this hour to make it worthwhile for that long-term legacy goal, right? Like what, 
what small drops of something am I doing so that it will lead to that direction and, and continue to flow in that direction towards that long-term goal of 30 years from now, 40 years from now, 50 years from now, you know, like 60 years from now, just like, what could I be doing that would make the most sense that the person 60 years from now would be glad that I did right now as like a 30 year old, right? And like, not just for the life that I would be living in six years, but for the life beyond, right? What kinds of bricks do I need to be laying right now as part of my foundation so that I can be this eternal student of like the universe, right? Like of, of having a humble heart, having a desire to find good and use good to benefit others and like do this life in a way that is just so much more mindful and thoughtful and like directed at like wondering who is Christ? What is he doing? How can I jump on board and how could I be helpful and what else needs to be done? And let's, let's think about this and let's gather all the different people that would be helpful in making this happen. And like, let's, let's just, let's get together and feel all right. You know, it's just like, oh, I just love it. I love it. <laughs>